Success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Winston Churchill Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. I'm your host, T.W. Smith, and that's what we do at Kung Fu Podcast. We're going to be starting today on a podcast that's built around the bare essentials, three things that every athlete needs to succeed. It was written by John O'Sullivan, and he has his own program there called Changing the Game Project. He and I have exchanged several emails, and he was uh, very gracious to allow me to uh, share this with you and then build a program around it that would be associated with the martial arts. Quite often I tell the students that, you know, when I'm training martial artists, I think of them as athletes, people who have a specific purpose in what they're doing. And it's not necessarily that they're always training at a very high level. Uh, For example, as athletes go, I mean, I, I do consider the higher level of martial arts practitioners to be synonymous with an athlete. The way that you eat, the way that you sleep, the way that you drink, the way that you train and stretch and take care of yourself, the softer parts of the training, the rest, active rest, things on those lines. You know, some of the common traits that we share across all athletes as martial artists is that, you know, practicing martial arts presents as challenges. Uh, you know, presenting a challenge in my mind is usually that represents a 40% chance that you're not going to make it. Improvement. Improvement is measured against some form of resistance, whether that's a physical challenge or it's a resistance, you know, where time is the uh, the resistance that you're trying to beat. Or, of course, you know, if you're a weightlifter, you, how much weight you lift or, you know, how much resistance you face with a non-compliant to compliant partner. Um you know, as I'm thinking about a lot of the things, I've, we're uh, near the very end of the wrestling season through high school, and the Pinecrest Patriots, you know, my alma mater, their team finished the conference as conference champions, 18-0. and 0. You know, but what was really inspiring this past year was being able to be a lot more up close and personal with a, uh, Coach Curtin, Coach Q, Steve, uh, Coach James, and Coach Millard. And watching those guys practice, not just at a high level, but practice being excellent leaders and coaches at the same time. You know, they usually will tell the young men, we want you to practice like wrestlers, but train like warriors. Practically every one of those coaches has a very extensive military background and a wrestling background, which makes them very unique. And the young men respond very well to the type of training and expectations that they have. So it poses the question, like I said, they just finished as champions of their conference, 18-0. They got several guys who are you know, going to be number one, number two, ranked high in the state. And what will it take for you to have success in your martial arts, uh, including aspects of the martial arts, such as grappling or striking or you know, falling properly, or practically anything else? You know, if you take a few moments and just assess your factors, what's your build, what's your strength, how about your speed, are you quick hand and eye, how about your footwork, what about the genetics, did you come from a genetic background of folks who are, you know, bigger or stronger or faster, you know, these are all sorts of things that you want to assess on your own. And then, of course, these external factors, how well have you been coached, has your instructor prepared you realistically for what you should expect. 
you know, as martial artists, whether you're a wrestler or a boxer, MMA, you know, martial artist, you know, you're training for specific purposes. Your coach, your sensei, your sifu needs to be able to help you understand what parts you're working on, what parts you already have demonstrated great strength in, and perhaps what areas would be good for you to put a little time to improve upon. But it's also important to remember, as Mr. O'Sullivan writes, quote, but performance is also greatly affected by what is in between the athlete's ears, his mindset. An athlete's state of mind is perhaps the single greatest factor that affects performance, end quote. Timothy Galloway wrote in his book about peak performance and mental state the following equation. Performance equals potential minus interference. Galloway means that when you perform up to your potential, and that's that combination of innate talent, training hours, playing hours, and coaching, and then you subtract all the things that interfere with that potential, one of which, and namely which, is a poor state of mind. Some of us will have, for example, the potential to be elite or really good or fundamentally sound and really good at our fundamentals. Some of us may be really good at fundamentals and also be excellent instructors. Or, quote, and others just need to develop a mindset and lifestyle that promotes activity for life. O'Sullivan continues, and he brings up a very interesting point. We're not only developing the next generation of martial artists and athletes. We are also developing the next set of martial arts fans. If you're an instructor or a parent of any level of a rising martial artist, you will play a significant role in their state of mind. Our job as instructors is often to strip away as much interference as possible and let our martial artists and our athletes compete to the very best of their abilities. This point really made me pause for a moment, the concept that you're not only training the you know, up-and-coming martial artists, you're also giving rise and training the next generation of martial arts fans. And being responsible for more than just individual achievement, what if I actually took and considered the fact that maybe I'm really training the next big fan of martial arts. Maybe it's a big promoter, or it becomes the voice of martial arts 15 years or well after I'm passed away, and he helps keep encouraging. Maybe he's not the you know greatest martial artist that ever lived, but he's got a great voice and he becomes a fan. What if I'm training him today? That responsibility that we give our best to each individual and help make their journey not just successful, but enthusiastic, even though they are probably not going to be one of our elite performers. O'Sullivan was talking about this with sports scientist Dr. Joe Baker and the qualities that all high-performing athletes share. And these are three qualities that every martial artist or every athlete or anyone aspiring to any sort of corporeal experience is going to have to have in order to move really forward in reaching their potential, and to strip away the interference. They go as far to say, without them, there is no chance you will ever perform at your very best. Confucius once said, Everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it. The will to win, the desire to succeed, 
the urge to reach your full potential. These are the keys that will unlock the door to personal excellence. Well, the first very essential is intrinsic motivation. Baker calls intrinsic motivation the, quote, currency of athletic performance. If the athlete or martial artist does not have intrinsic motivation, the athlete will never have the drive, grit, and mental fortitude to train and play hard enough. Intrinsic motivation is hard to instill as well. A sure telltale of lacking intrinsic motivation is if the parents, the sensei, the seafood, the boss, or the coach are the ones that are leading the charge when it comes to going to your training or doing the extra work on the side or finding the opportunities for the athlete to challenge himself and to find a way to get out of the comfort zone. If they're not doing those things on their own, they're lacking the intrinsic motivation. I would much rather work with someone that I have to find the reins for how to hold them back and guide them a little bit than trying to work with someone who's just trying to get them off their ass to do something. Coach Wooden said, success is a peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing that you did your best to become the best you're capable of becoming. When the instructor or leader has to consistently motivate the athlete, there is going to be a lacking spot. Hopefully, the fire will ignite and the motivation will come from within at some point in time. The intrinsic kind of motivation is when you do things because it's internally fulfilling. Perhaps it's even interesting or maybe even enjoyable. But most importantly, there's no expectation of a reward or recognition from others. Extrinsic motivation is driven by exactly the opposite externalities, such as the promise of more money or a promotion or any other material advantage. Work can be done, as Confucius suggests, as a means to an end, which would be an extrinsically motivated pursuit, like getting your instructor or parents off your ass for doing your job. Or, the same work can be done as an end in itself, which is an intrinsically motivated pursuit. Compared to extrinsic motivation, intrinsic is associated with a variety of adaptive behaviors, such as challenge-seeking, school involvement, and strong academic performance for your student-athletes. But there is a question. Does, quote, high levels of extrinsic motivation detract from intrinsic motivation, or does it compound its benefits, end quote? So what if we were both? This question in one line of research is done by identifying how different combinations of intrinsic and extrinsic motivations relate to meaningful learning outcomes at the elementary, middle, and high school levels. O'Sullivan states that the research suggests that a high ratio of intrinsic to extrinsic motivation accords the most benefits, and that is particularly true for younger children. In another line of research, a longitudinal approach with third graders up through eighth graders, so that's eight to 14 year olds, O'Sullivan tracks changes in children's motivation over time and identify the sources of such a change. They report, unfortunately, 
there is a clear pattern of loss of intrinsic motivation as children progress through the elementary and middle school years. It was also demonstrated such losses can be reduced by a school or a training center, for example, by focusing on learning and mastery outside of a competitive framework. And what does that mean to us as martial arts practitioners and instructors? Regardless of what I'm teaching, I can list several people in my martial arts who will initially do much better if it is presented in a playful, non-competitive framework. And then there are others who thrive in the show me how to do it and then get out of my way so I can figure it out myself approach. As an instructor, I believe it is essential that you get to know your students and do what you can to put them in the best position to learn. This is in no way a suggestion to lower your standard or of your final expectations, but it is learning how to take an open mind approach from the South Pole to the North Pole to help someone get to where they want to be. Taking a moment and speaking about where we are compared to where we want to be, today's podcast has been recorded on a Tascam portable recorder. This is because of you, those folks who help support Kung Fu Podcast. I was able to set aside uh, some funds and get a portable Tascam recorder, which now allows me to record a much higher level quality of audio anywhere I am. And more importantly for me is that it provides consistency. Uh, over these past, I would say almost the past year, I've really had to been playing a lot of grab bag stuff, trying to get things done. And this one device that through your efforts and your support, I was able to uh, procure so that I could use it for the podcast and I can use it anywhere we go. It's also going to be great because now I have the GoPro action cameras so I can set up our instruction videos and all that kind of good stuff. I greatly appreciate your support. And remember that when you support Kung Fu Podcast, not only do you give me options like the one I just described, you're also supporting the ASPCA and animals that are being injured and put in harm's way. And then you're also supporting the Wounded Warrior Project. Those are two things I feel strongly about, and that's part of where I also send some of the funds. Now let's return to our program and the three very essentials where we had just finished that the first bare essential is intrinsic motivation. The second one is enjoyment. For some reason, there are a large number of misguided coaches and parents who think that competitive sports and enjoyment are mutually exclusive. They are not. In fact, if an athlete does not love their sport, if they're not going to enjoy the experience, they will never hang around long enough to be any good. This does not mean that every single moment is going to be pleasurable. If you've ever been on a wrestling mat for a day, you know most of it's not pleasurable. But you can have fun doing non-pleasurable things. And I know many athletes who might not consider conditioning training, for example, to be enjoyable. But the experience taken as a whole must be fun. It must be something that keeps them coming back, and it must be something that they look forward to doing. O'Sullivan tells coaches of young players, if you instill a love of the game, if all your players want to play again next year, you have already accomplished more than most coaches ever will. Now, as we're speaking about success, 
I can send you back to Kung Fu Podcast number 183 and 187 on the Hit the Mark series. I know that Jamie Club of Club Chimera Martial Arts has also stated that was an important series to him. Where it looks at the history and the culture of what it takes to be successful and how archery was used as an indicator of your self-mastery. It was part of your exam to move higher up inside of the emperor's inner chamber, so to speak, at the time. You had an oratory exam, written exams, behavioral exams, and the whole thing about Hit the Mark series is that it clearly and metaphorically defines success, knowing which way to aim, and do you have the strength to reach that target? If you take aim and hit the target once, are you really a master? Yeah, I mean, you had one moment of success, but was it a fluke? But it's going to take a lot more repetitions to figure that out. Go to Kung Fu Podcast number 183 through 187 and listen to the Hit the Mark series. It's one of my favorites over all these years. The third very central ingredient to have success in any of these experiences, particularly in martial arts or as an athlete, is autonomy. Your athlete, your martial artists, when you're teaching them and coaching them, must have ownership over their experience. The goals pursued must belong to them. And as coaches, instructors, and parents, we can suggest some goals and encourage athletes to aim higher, you know. But ultimately, we must release them to play their game and achieve their goals. They have to drive the bus, and we must be the passenger who helps them find the way. Kind of like a little co-pilot, a little voice there. We can encourage, we can push them a little bit, and hold them accountable for their ambitions and dreams. But ultimately, if it is you and not the martial artist and not the athlete that is in the driver's seat, this trip is going to be a short one. Autonomy suggests that the individual not only needs to be the owner of their failures and successes, it also suggests that the individual is the definer of what success is. In John Wooden's example, he implies that it is when you are satisfied with yourself. Let me ask you, can you boil down your definition of success, whether it's personal success, martial arts success, and give me some real statement that would identify that success, define it for us. If you were to ask me, for example, how do I define success, particularly in the martial arts world, in the business world, or anywhere else in my life, I normally define success in almost every aspect of my life as continuing to learn. Regardless of my performance, whether it was well done or I asked myself, where did I suck? Where did I not do well? What caught me by surprise? Where would I need to work to improve upon that outcome? You know, sometimes being a dad is a continuous learning experience, and it doesn't matter where you are in the spectrum of it. You know, for me, success is based on my ability and my willing to ask the questions that promotes learning. Success in martial arts. If you do a search of keywords, success martial arts, you're likely going to find, just like I did, numerous martial arts facilities and web pages titled Success Martial Arts. Of the nine I looked through, none were particularly <laughs> inspiring to me, to be honest with you. Most of them never really even discussed what they meant by success anyway. 
All too often, it was improved confidence, improved flexibility, improved fitness, improved self-esteem, implying, I suppose, that that were their ideas of what success would be, is that you improved your confidence, that's a success. Well, at EvolveMMA.com, they wrote an article titled, The Nine Keys to Success for Every Martial Artist. And the first paragraph reads, quote, The practice of martial arts is deeply rooted in philosophy, tradition, and culture. It teaches not only self-defense, but also discipline, focus, and respect. Many people start their martial arts journey with a specific goal in mind. To achieve mastery, earn a black belt, win a world title, learn self-defense, etc. Yet somewhere along the way, many stray from the path or give up completely. Now what I take from that is this author's definition of success is outlining a goal and working ultimately to achieve it. Straying from the path or giving up are certainly not signs of success. So as we move back to the essay, no matter how much talent your athlete has, no matter what level of coaching he or she receives, or how many championships that team has won, without intrinsic motivation, enjoyment, and autonomy, your athletes will never play long enough, train hard enough, or be gritty enough to become the sort of martial artist or athlete who performs up to their potential. How do you know that your lower ranks and your aspiring athletes have these three things? To ensure that they have autonomy, ask yourself whether or not you are saying things like, well, we struck out 10 batters today, or we made three successful hip throws today. If you're speaking of your child's or your student's achievements as ours instead of theirs, that is a surefire sign that you have got to let them go and let the journey belong to them. Another good question to ask yourself is, have you done any goal setting with them? What would they like to achieve? If you have completely different goals and ambitions for your younger folks or any of your students, they will never have the autonomy needed to succeed because you're pressing your goals on top of them. And as far as enjoyment goes, there's a huge popular misconception that you can't be competitive and have fun at the same time. And us as martial artists know that can't be true, right? Nothing could be further from the truth. Of course, when we mix it up is when we're having the most fun. At least, you know, some of us are. The only way to compete and to do monotonous training and other things that it takes to be elite is through the innate enjoyment of the sport. Look to see if your students and athletes are smiling and laughing and looking forward to their training. Do you ever ask them, are you having fun? Do they ever carry the ball around looking to play outside of practice? You know, my my son's always looking for a chance, for example, to wrestle. He comes in the martial arts school and he's like, hey, what what are you doing? You want to wrestle? You know, he loves it and he's always trying to find a way to do it. Um, Do they want to get there early and stay a little bit later? If you get answers yes to those sorts of questions, that's a good sign that they're having a lot of joy. And with both autonomy and enjoyment in place, your athlete has a much better chance of being intrinsically motivated. Are they jumping out of bed to go to training in the morning, or do you have to drag them out of bed? Is he asking, can I skip practice today, or do I really have to go? Uh Or is he saying, look, I'm really pumped up today. I'm going to need a little bit of help. Can you get my lunch fixed so I can get my stuff ready for practice? As Dr. Baker mentioned, 
if a if a person does not have intrinsic motivation, it is very hard to give it to him. So, as a parent or a coach, a teacher of any kind, you must be cognizant that the athlete is driving the bus and not the adult. The good news in all this too is that once your student and your athletes have autonomy, enjoyment, and intrinsic motivation to compete, they will also have the mindset needed to play up to their potential. They will do their best. Genetics, hours of training, great coaching, and luck, where opportunity and effort come together, all play a part. But without a high-performing state of mind, those things will lose their luster no matter how much talent an athlete has. Now, earlier I had mentioned nine keys to success in martial arts that was out by the EvolveMMA.com. And what were those nine keys to martial arts success? They put down discipline. You got to follow the rules. Number two, passion, heart, mind, and soul. Got to be there. Number three, humility. How do you respond to failure? Four, confidence. Got to believe in your skills. Five, goal setting. They need to be realistic and immediate. Do you have some short-term goals that keep you motivated? Patience. You got to have patience. Man, that one's tough. Meet the grind to get through it so that you can get to success. Versatility. Find ways to improve upon your weaknesses. You got to keep an open mind. That's number eight. Stay ahead of your competition. Stay ahead of what's going on by continuing to learn. And then number nine, optimism. The moment that you feel like, man, this ain't working and you get that sense that you want to give up, that's the moment that you stop learning and you stop improving. So in summary, this was all about the three bare essentials for success, particularly with any sort of corporeal experience. But you know, you could apply this to your business work. If you're not motivated to go to work, it causes a lot of problems. If you're not enthusiastic and keep your mind open, you're going to have problems. Um, Let me give you, for example, some real martial artists and some real ideas of people who possess all three And I know because after these past five years or so of doing this podcast, I've met most of them and spent some time with them in one shape, form, or fashion or other. First of all, Ian Abernathy. When you go to his seminars, you're going to find enthusiasm. He's intrinsically motivated, and you're going to have fun. Ando Merzwa is perhaps one of the most sincere people you will ever meet. He is always playing and working, having fun, and he shares that with you. Jamie Club is very internally motivated, and he creates his own unique voice as he cuts through the bullshito. And then there's Dr. Ben Junkins, who has worked for years without any external recognition. He put up that whole Kung Fu tea, Chinese martial arts.org, and he did that work on his own, not expecting a pat on the back, not expecting a big, you know, anything. And he did the work. And in fact, at times, each of these people have been ridiculed for whatever reasons, and they continue down their path. If you want to be your best, you will need internal motivation. Have your own success, own your ride, and embrace your shortcomings, and most importantly, have some fun and keep coming back. This is T.W. Smith. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you making it through the end of this podcast 
and giving me a part of your day, a part of your time, and being part of your martial arts journey. I'll be talking with you soon.